Hello and welcome into the Daily Blues Podcast on 101ESPN.com. My name is Dan Betlock with you on this Monday, January 6th, 2020. A lot to get to today. We'll hear from Doug Armstrong later in the podcast as he caught up with John Kelly in the uh, Boardwalk Hardwood Floor Behind the Bench Show. You'll hear that in a little bit, but let's get you caught up on uh, what happened over the weekend. Blues lost their third straight at the hands of the Las Vegas Golden Knights after, of course, a um, eight-game winning streak. So, uh, not all is lost. Three-game losing streaks have happened before. They've they've gone through this, and don't let it get to four games, that's for sure. Let's hear from Chris Kerber, who was on with the Bernie Miklas show from earlier this morning, recapping what happened in Vegas. A week from Wednesday. It's like clockwork, a game every other day. Yeah, it's one of the things uh, I think you and I have talked a lot about. Uh, you know, One of the challenges of the Blues schedule this season is not having any more than two days between games all season long, except for the Christmas break and the all-star bye week break. And so I think that's really created some challenges for, for this coaching staff because the one thing they wanted to do is obviously manage energy, manage uh, you know the fatigue of the schedule process, that kind of thing. And, and you want to be able to get guys enough time to rebound and rest. But what it's really kind of getting in the way of is that's having maybe a couple of good days of back-to-back practices. And right now, based on the play and the level of play that we saw over this road trip, that's something that this team needs. I wanted to ask you, uh, and you've all, you're always a straight shooter, always have been, always will be, one of the many reasons that you command such respect. What what, what were some of the aspects of the 0-2-1 showing on the road that uh, that disappointed you, just watching it as an observer? You know, I, I, I think, Bernie, that whether it be Zach Sanford, uh, Mackenzie McEachern, or Something along those kind of lines. I just think that some of these younger guys have got to step up and find a way to produce and fill a role. Um, now, you know, we're talking a couple of different players. I think the Blues are looking at you know Zach Sanford as a guy that should be able to be in the top six, and Mackenzie uh, McEachern is what he is on a fourth line role. You know, but uh, along those lines, I, I just think we need to start seeing more consistency out of those guys. Because you you need that depth in your lineup, and uh, so more consistency out of the bottom six to help fill in. Now that said, uh, I still think that there's the, the penalty killing slipped. Uh, they, they're taking too many penalties on that road trip. That that's going to happen. And but, but I, I, you also have to realize that I think this team you played almost the same number of home games as you have road, just a couple more road games than you have at home this season. It's not like you played five or six, seven or eight more in the road. It's pretty balanced. You talk to the players on this team, it feels like you have been on the road all season. It's just the way the schedule has gone. I think they're looking forward to this home stand. I think they need this home stand. That road trip as well, Bernie, you're playing basically, you know, three of the top teams in the West in terms of standings-wise, Colorado right behind in the standings, Vegas top in that division, Arizona second in that division. And, and frankly, I think the, the road, some inconsistencies and, and a little fatigue bit them pretty hard on that trip. Yeah, I was going to say, the in the thing uh, Saturday, I was just stunned that they lost that game because of the 3 nothing lead and the chances they had in the first, oh, I don't know, seven, eight minutes uh, or so of the second period where they outshot yep. them 11-1. to one. And I'm, I'm really stunned that that game got away. And I, was, and I have to say I was frustrated as a fan watching it because uh, you mentioned a couple of the guys. And they're just, they're, the intensity wasn't there. The compete level wasn't there. And you're letting people skate by them. They're letting them win the battles in front of the net. And 
The interesting thing about this, yeah, I'm criticizing the Blues, but it's actually a compliment to the Blues in this regard. Because I, I respect so much that this is a hard, tough team, a physical team, and I've come to expect that. So when you don't see it, it's kind of it's, uh, it's a little uh, unsettling, even for one game. Yeah, the way they dominated the first half of that game, you're like, wow, what a rebound this is. And then, and then it really slid. Uh, they, they didn't have an answer for, you know, some of the rough stuff from Ryan Reese. Uh, and, and, and they don't. That, that's just not – this team isn't built that way. You know, they're, they're missing some of that with Joel Edmondson and maybe, maybe Pat Maroon, you know, to kind of get, get in some guys' faces a little bit more. And, and I think that that is an aspect of this team. Now, it looks really good when you dominate in the first half of the game, and it can look really uh, kind of shaky when, when you don't in the second half. Uh, the, the one thing that – and I have no answer for this. Uh, I've asked about it. Coaches don't have an answer for it. It's, it's kind of brushed off a little bit. And I'm not just talking this coaching staff. I'm talking Ken Hitchcock and the ones before it. You go back over the last three to four years, and whatever it is, there is a DNA characteristic of this team we're holding two goal leads, three goal leads. You just don't necessarily feel safe. I mean, you're talking, you're talking over the last couple of years, close to 30 games where you've lost a two goal lead or more. I mean, that's that's an amazing number. You know, when when you look at it, uh, I mean, and I'm talking two years plus this half. So let's say two and a half years there. But I've learned to just accept that it's a characteristic of the team. And if I bring that stat up one more time, Joe Batali, I think he's going to kick me out of the booth. <laughs> it's Chris Kerber with his voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. Kerbs, I want to ask you this. It's easy for me to bluster about it. I don't run the team, as uh, everybody knows, and thank God that's the case, or the Blues would be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> the, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think Craig Berube's in a tough spot. For the rest of us on the outside, we'd say, well, just bench Sanford. Uh, De La Rosa shouldn't play. I mean, you got guys in the press box who want to play and will play hard and play tough and give you their skill. So it's easy for us to play uh, coach uh, from the stands. But what do you do if you're Craig Berube? Because Sanford is a frustrating player, and I wasn't too crazy about De La Rosa the other day either, and you mentioned McEachern. It's tough when you know Kairou sitting in the sitting in the box watching, and even a uh, an honest veteran who give you everything, uh, and Troy Brower is is sitting and and can't get a game. So, what do you do if you're the coach? Well, I mean, and and that's not just it's not the pick on Zach. It's just it's more, the statement I was trying to make is more the opportunity is there for one of these guys to, to move up the lineup. The opportunity is there for Jordan Cairo to play a top six role in the National Hockey League every single game. At some point in time, part of it is the, just the continued development and growth of a young player. I get it. But they've got to be able to seize that moment and take it and not let it go. You've got to do what Jordan Bennington did last season. Yeah, you know, you've got to You've got to do it, Sammy Boy. Now, Sammy Boy is an, uh, an example of where these guys are now, though. You know, Sammy Boy, it, it took him a little while to figure out how to do it, and then he found a role. And then, unfortunately, got hurt, and that is hurt things. But whether it's uh, whether it's Jake Wallman filling in, whether it's whether it's an opportunity for Zach Sanford somewhere in the lineup, whether it's Tyron, you know, you've just got to be, you've got to step up, and you've got to find a way to produce. Uh, De La Rosa and McEachern, those guys are fourth-line checkers. 
you're not you're looking at them to chip in every now and then. And McEachern's had a solid season. Six goals, all of even strength from him is, is pretty good. De La Rose hasn't found things offensively, but Craig Ruby has liked the way his game is defensively and liked the the, the the continued growth of aggressiveness that he's demanding out of him. That that part has been a positive there. You know, but at at the same time, when you're Zach Sanford, they're looking for Zach Sanford and Jordan Cairo to play roles where you produce offensively. And they've got to find a way to do it. And and if they don't, somebody else does. So in a game like that where Zach Sanford doesn't see much playing time down those down the stretch in the third period, I mean that's that's pretty telling for a guy that played an important role for you in the playoffs last year. He's been around long enough. And guys like that have got to find consistency in their game, game in, game out, and that's what coaches are looking for. And when they don't, that's when you see the juggling into the press box and back into the lineup. I wanted to ask you about uh, Colton Pareko, who was uh, scratched because of an injury on Saturday. And I, we know the team doesn't divulge the nature of the injury, but is your gut feeling or your best estimate, is this a short-term thing? Yeah, I think it is. Number one, he took warm-ups and he even took the line rushes. So it was after the second or third line rush in that game, he went ahead and pointed at Jake Wallman and said, take a few. So I think Colton knew at that point he wasn't going to be able to go. Uh, yeah, I saw him afterwards, you know, we're walking around a little bit. I, I think he's going to be fine. So, yeah, I think it's a, a short term for him. And pretty impressive when you think, Bernie, you've just played 43 games and you had Petrangelo or going into that 43rd game. You had Petrangelo, Pareko, Bowmeister, and Dunn all having played every single game. So, uh, for the most part, the defense has been healthy, and I think that's the key to their success. They've got to keep it there. So, yeah, short term, it appears, uh, for uh, Colton Pareko. Well, well that at least you know what that's my read on it. I should say sure. Well, the Blues were o two and one on the three games, um, but the last time they went winless uh, for three games, they responded by winning eight in a row. And let's get, let's let's uh, kind of finish where we started. Circle back with this uh, five game homestand coming up, which is then followed by another lengthy road stretch, but. Um, how much does this team, in your opinion, do they need these uh, this stretch of games at home? Man, I, I, they need it. Uh, like I said before, I mean, there, there's a road fatigue right now that I, I mean, you feel when you're around the team on the road and then the way that we seem to be traveling. Um, so I think just a good stretch at home. And look, they're going to go on the road for the one game in Colorado, and then you've got the bye week in the All-Star game. So, and then you'll open up in Vancouver after the All-Star game. So, a good stretch at home is important. It'll allow this team to catch the breath. Look, I mean, they, they just haven't been home that much. You're on the road going right into Christmas. You you went right back out on the road to Winnipeg. You came home for one game, and then you had the three-game trip. Uh, it, it, I, I think it just took its toll going against, uh, you know, some pretty tough teams at, at that point in time. So, they've got a chance to catch their breath. They've got a chance to balance the home schedule here a little bit. And I, I think that's a really important look. You've only got 10 regulation losses in your first 43 games. That's the fewest regulation losses of any team in the Western Conference and the third fewest in the league. You're sitting there tied with the Boston Bruins for the second overall spot in the National Hockey League. Uh, there's, the, the team knows how well they can play, but at the same time there's perspective of where you are in the standings because you know there's a long second half coming up. And this is a veteran group that I think knows how to manage it. But at the same time, you still got to have that, that chance to just kind of get your mind right at home. And, and this is what their opportunity is right now. All right, big thanks to Curbs. You can catch Brady Nicholas every day on, on 101 ESPN from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. And Curbs joins him every Monday. 
All right, Jeremy Rutherford was on with the Fast Lane this afternoon to also give his thoughts on what happened in Vegas and what's going on with the St. Louis Blues team. Here's Jeremy with the guys from the Fast Lane. I mean, I still have not been to a, a game out there. He said the the game day atmosphere, and we'll get to the massacre at the end of it, but the game day, just the, the build up, everything to it, is a pretty good show out in Vegas. Yeah, it's terrific. And I mean, it all starts with the walk on the strip down to the arena. Uh, I was in walking distance and uh, just the Blues fans. And I know we've talked about this for a couple of years now, but it's definitely a destination trip for a lot of fans. And and I realize, you know, sometimes you talk about your fans and it takes away from the Vegas fans. There are a, a lot of Vegas fans, but you can't help but notice walking up to the arena and just seeing, you know, Pareko, Tarasenko, Jackman. No, not the real guys. Blues fans wearing <laughs> their jerseys, uh, but just tons of them as, uh, as you get closer and closer. So it's just become uh, a great trip for a lot of fans. And then you get inside the building, and uh, they do a, a terrific job. I mean, as you would expect Vegas to do. And it doesn't get old. I've been going, and I've seen it a couple times now. Um, it's just a huge Vegas production like you'd expect. So let's get down to business and what's been going on with this team in the last few games. What the hell happened over the weekend? Yeah, that was something. Bad road trip. Uh, St. Louis Blues history, the Twitter account, he helped me look it up. That's the first time since 2014 that the Blues have gone on a three-game road trip and not come home with a win. Uh, starts off in Arizona, and you lose that one. Not much offense. Uh, but the last two in particular, uh, those were tough games defensively for the Blues. Uh, the speed of Colorado, it had the Blues on their heels. Uh, they got tentative, and, and once uh, Colorado got going, that one was over quickly. Uh, the Vegas game, you know, you'd like to say that you have one or two of those a year, uh, but uh, I think you're making excuses for that situation. Up for nothing, that's a game you got to win. Uh, the Blues didn't put it away, and those defensive coverage issues really popped up in that one. And a little bit speed like Colorado, but more so just uh, being aware and knowing what's going on on the ice and, and not making the mental mistakes that the Blues did defensively, I think, really cost them. Turnovers were a killer as well, and that's something that when the Blues aren't playing well, for whatever reason, it winds up being a bugaboo for them. It really is, and, you know, that's the case for, for everybody, but uh, in particular the Blues who are so sound defensively, and that's been the name of their game under Craig Bruby. That's what allows you to win games. That in goaltending uh, without some of your guys like Tarasenko and Sammy Blay up front uh, is with uh, defense, but the Blues did turn over a number of times. Uh, the most egregious one being that Vince Dunn uh, from deep in the defensive zone up to the neutral zone gets turned over, comes back, and now uh, Vegas is uh, is pouring it on. So um, Craig Bruby wasn't happy, and he wasn't singling anybody out, guys. But today again, right as he did after the game uh, today after practice, he also said that everybody, everybody, everybody's included. You can look at those highlights and see who was involved in the replays from the Petrangelos to the Bowmeisters to the Vince Dunn's. Uh, everybody except for uh, Colton Franco, who missed the game, uh, back on the ice today. And, and, and uh, Craig Bruby said he's questionable for tomorrow's game, by the way. So, JR, obviously standing still look good, but, I mean, this is what we're remembering right now. It's recency bias. It's the last three games. Out of the three losses that you saw, it was Coyotes, it was Avalanche, it was obviously Golden Knights uh, doing their thing late in that one. Do you look at uh, any of those teams, all of those teams, uh, none of those teams, and just say, oh, uh, this group is more talented than the Blues? We know where the standings are. The Blues are still atop it. Like, how do they stack up just eyeball tests with those teams? Because these are the guys that you're going to be facing in the postseason. Yeah, it's a great question. And actually, I was thinking about this uh, yesterday. We had to fill out a little poll for the athletic that will be out in a couple days. And, and uh, it made you think about Colorado in particular, uh, because this is a team that the Blues have had so much success against. They won six in a row. 
Uh, every time the Blues play him, you talk about how they're containing uh, McKinnon and, and Rantman, and they do such a great job against their speed. Well, guess what? They didn't do it in that game. And, and I know that Colorado had a lot to prove. They wanted to win that game. And, uh, you know, at the time, uh, the Blues are eight points ahead of Colorado. It felt like the Blues are kind of running away with the Western Conference, even though it's, uh, it's just January. Uh, but to me, uh, answer your question, I think Colorado made you stop in your tracks and say, look, you're not going to be able to handle this speed all the time. If we can get playing our game, uh, this is how we're going to look. And so to me, even though the Blues have played well against them, you know, I think it uh, raised the eyebrows a little bit about what Colorado can look like. So all of these losses here, the last three, they were not necessarily all because of the the same things that went wrong. There were different things in each game. You had lack of offense in one. You had some defensive issues in the last couple. And you mentioned Pareko not being available over the weekend. How much of a difference is that? And what I'm wondering is, is it is it simple enough to just say, well, because he wasn't available for them, that's the reason things didn't work out on Saturday. I don't think you can, you know, just make that blanket statement, but I think you can say that without Breco, it changes up the uh, defensive pairs that really lead to uh, some of the plays that we saw happen. So, for example, Falk and, and uh, Petrangelo have looked great together. Bolmeister and Breco have been together for a long time and, and have a lot of consistency uh, but I think once you take Pareko out of the lineup, now you're messing with all the pairs, uh, not to mention that you're putting Jake Wallman in for his uh, debut, NHL debut. Uh, but, you know, you look at the, the play where Vince Dunn has the turnover in the neutral zone, uh, that's him and, and Petrangelo, and they haven't played a lot together this season. So, you know, I think that you can look at it and say if Pareko's in that game, if he's healthy, perhaps you don't see some of the plays that, that took place. But, again, I think that's probably too much of a blanket statement. But, look, he's one of the best defensive defensemen in the league, and we all know he can get up ice uh, as well as anybody in the league. So to me, uh, that's a big absence, and uh, it's an upper body injury. We'll see if this continues to linger, but when Craig Ruby was asked about him today, he didn't look all that uh, promising, uh, even though Pareko did practice. Jeremy Rutherford with us in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. JR, I have to believe that uh, an ascending and improving Jordan Cairo would be more beneficial in this Blues lineup at the moment than Zach Sanford. Sanford has been given a lot of opportunities, but he's just never become a consistent player. I agree with you 100%. You know, I think that uh, they've continued to play Zach Sanford because of the big body and probably because he's a little more responsible defensively than, you know, they think uh, Troy Brower or Jordan Cairo. Uh, but I, I, I look at it this way, guys. If Zach Sanford's in the lineup and you don't necessarily notice him, maybe he's doing a few things right, you're winning the games, and other people are stepping up around Zach Sanford, he's not hurting you, that's one thing. But to me, when you can look at the replay and you can watch two or three goals against where you know Zach Sanford is one of the guys who's not making a play on the goal, granted not just him, but, but he's hurting you, then I think you have to look at it uh, seriously and make a change. And that's what it looks like the Blues um, are going to do. Not with Zach Sanford, uh, but Cairo will be back in the lineup. It looks like uh, he was on a line with Shen and Schwartz today. Those two are reunited. Mm. Uh, the odd guy out today was De La Rose. Uh, but to me, uh, Zach Sanford's been given a lot of the benefit of the doubt with his play. Uh, but he uh, maintains a spot in the lineup, at least uh, according to the practice lines today. Yep. And you mentioned De La Rose, and maybe it was the 4-3 goal where he, he just kind of skated by. He didn't do anything. I, that has to bother a coach. 
an absolute flyby. And, and I, I realize you got your two defensemen in front of the net. I was talking to somebody about this after the game. Look, you got to get the, the box out from uh, a number of those guys that played the defense. But also, you can't have your forwards just 10 feet away watching the play uh, without even trying to get a stick in there. Uh, De La Rose playing center. He's been more comfortable there. He's, he's looked better there uh, than when he came to the Blues and he was playing the wing, Randy. Uh, but De La Rose on that play that you're referencing uh, just as a total flyby. A bit of a balancing act. I'm sure the season is for every coach, but right now I'm just thinking about Craig Berube. He, he wants to uh, create more offense. He, he wants to get more things going. But you also like want to preach consistency and there's a reason that the blues are where they are in the, the standings it's because they, they've gone out there they've been consistent they've done the same thing over and over again do you think that that's a battle for craig berube or in any coach in his spot of consistency and change and how to balance those two things yeah i, th- I think it has been uh, but the blues you know for the most part going back to the second half of last season especially but i think they've been able to keep it up this year um is that consistency and obviously there's been dips and there's been games that you can point to uh, where it wasn't there but I think one of the biggest reasons the Blues are are where they are in the standings with all these injuries is because on most nights the team has gone out and delivered you know that consistency you have to with uh, some of the lineups the Blues have have trotted out there uh, with some younger guys playing key roles and you know like the other day with Jake Wallman Uh, stepping in and playing his first game. So, you know, Craig Bruby, if you had to ask him what's the number one thing you want to see, it's that consistency in the execution. And so it's always going to be a battle. I don't think you ever, you're completely on top of it or, or like it every night, Brad, but uh, I, I think the Blues, for the most part, have delivered on that. I, I know that Sammy Blay been back out there and practicing, and the Blues have suffered plenty of injuries during this season. Uh, how close do you think he is to coming back? Well, the original uh, time frame... Ronge, when uh, he got injured, was uh, the 10 weeks, I believe. So that was going to put him at the end of January, early February. You know, I can't say that he's ahead of that, but he did have the cast removed. He did. Uh, he has been skating. We've seen him on the ice uh, skating the past uh, week and a half or so, and he was uh, practicing today. So, you know, a wrist injury is just going to be tough to overcome. I mean, you have to, uh, you know, you have to feel healthy <laughs> with your wrist in a game like this when you're, you know, trying to make plays. So, uh, the fact that he's on the ice, here we are, what, January uh, 6, I think is a good sign, about three weeks out from uh, the original timetable. So uh, we don't know quite yet when the Blues will get Sammy Blade back, but it looks like things are tracking in the right direction. The Blues will try and get back on track tomorrow night against San Jose at home. we got a four-game homestand uh, at the Enterprise Center coming up, so maybe a little home cooking is just what the doctor ordered for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, behind the bench with John Kelly, he has a coach's show he does with uh, Coach Craig Berube every Friday on 101 ESPN. And this week he had a special guest on. It was Doug Armstrong as well, um, joining J.K. So wanted to replay that conversation that J.K. had with Doug Armstrong from the Behind the Bench show. Here's J.K. with Army. A Stanley Cup, and now your club is uh, fighting for first place overall. It's been a pretty good 12 months. It sure has, uh, you know, uh, 18 wasn't very good for us, uh, and 19 was has been fantastic with the with the championship, and the team's playing very very well right now, and looking forward to the second half of the season. Doug, about a year ago, as we know, the Blues were basically in last place overall. What were you thinking at that time after you know some of the trades you had made in the off season two years ago and the free agent signings when your team was not performing? 
Well, we felt it was a good team, but we weren't performing, and uh, it wasn't like we were a bad team. We were just <clears throat> consistently inconsistent, uh, and we were gonna. We we felt that if we didn't have a good string in January and early February, we weren't gonna have enough time to get back into the playoff hunt. And to the guys' credit, they went on a very good run, that coincided with Bennington coming up, and uh, the rest is history. But. We believed in the players, but we weren't getting the results. And uh, I'm glad to uh, glad we didn't have to make any hard decisions last trade deadline. I know that I read an article in the summer that you were, I think, in Europe scouting, and the Blues were on their dad's trip in Florida and Tampa Bay. You were watching late at night on your computer, and, and th- that might have been the key stretch of the year. Well, I thought it was. Uh, we were over there, as, as uh, the story goes. Our, our pick was our traded pick to Buffalo wasn't. Uh, it was top 10 protected so uh, at that point there was a chance we'd be picking in the top 10 and we were over there and I remember going into Florida and we came back and won that game in the third period with a couple of goals and then went into Tampa and I think we won one nothing, if I'm not mistaken and then uh, played Nashville that weekend and took both games so we, we were rolling at that point it was the middle of our 11 game winning streak and uh, that solidified that we weren't certainly going to be sellers at the deadline and it was you know, it was about an eight or nine hour time change, so it was late at night or early in the morning, but it's always worth uh, staying up late when, when those are the results. Doug, obviously Craig Bruby came in in November and has done a marvelous job, signed a new contract in the offseason. How was how he able to get this team to play so well as a team, and they continue to play that way? Well, Craig's done a great job. Uh, you know, he he relies uh, heavily on experienced players, and we have an experienced players on on our roster. So I think it's a good marriage in that sense. Uh, and he's able to slowly integrate some of our younger players. Robert Thomas, uh, he brought along well last year, is getting a bigger role in our team this year. I see the maturation of a player like Kairou getting a, a greater opportunity. So Craig's able to blend uh, the older guys with the younger guys. Um, and I think he has the trust of the players. He's firm on them, firm with them, and expects a lot. And they, uh, uh, as a veteran team, they, they expect a lot of themselves too. So I think it's a really good uh, a mix uh, for Craig right now. He could certainly coach a, a younger team. He did that for us in the American Hockey League in Chicago. But uh, I think uh, <clears throat> what what's really good right now is uh, his, his greatest strengths are, are the way our team is built with experience, and he's getting the most out of those experienced players. Doug Armstrong, you were part of Dallas Stars Stanley Cup up in 99 as assistant GM and of course the GM here uh, did this one mean a little bit more to you well yeah I think it uh, it, it meant it, it's just different I think anytime uh, as assistant manager you, you believe you're a big part of it but uh, when you become a manager you understand that there's a different layer there and uh uh, I also think that when we got to Dallas and I think it was 93, 94, uh, it was a new franchise and we got off to a really good start, had some good seasons, a couple of presidents, trophies, and uh, the fan base, I just expected us to win because we won basically from the day we got there. Uh, and then and coming to St. Louis, uh, I wasn't aware of the frustration that had been built up over a number of years. Uh, uh, it's my 10th or 10th year as manager, 12th year with the organization, and so there was 40 years of frustration and then we were able to add on another 10 or 11 when I've been there so it was nice to uh, uh, to, to get that championship and be the part of that first group that won and uh, it was a different feeling because there was a, a really lot of uh, a lot of uh, scar tissue built up in that Blues organization, not only from former players but former staff to to our most importantly our fan base wanted to see us win and to be able to to be part of that and then also uh, I thought Mr. Stillman and, and uh, Chris Zimmerman did a great job of making sure everyone was included. J.K. from our from our alumni to our uh, to our fan base, uh, it, it was really a, a, a city win. 
Certainly was, and I, I know I saw some video um, this past summer. You took the, the cup up to, I believe, Sarnia, where you are from, your father of the Hall of Fame linesman, Neil Armstrong. What did it mean to you to bring it to your dad? Well, it was great. Uh, my dad was part of the Montreal teams. Uh, he officiated for a long time and then scouted, so he's part of some championship teams in Montreal. And then uh, uh, in 99, uh, he was a little bit younger, obviously 20 years younger, so we got to enjoy it in a different fashion. Now he's uh, slowed down a little bit, but just to have some uh, quality time, he and I, with the cup and just you know, looking at it and, and, and you know, finding our, our names from years past were really special. And uh, it, it was great uh, anytime you can spend time with your family, but certainly with that trophy involved. And people might not know, but your dad was one of the linesmen in the final in 70, the last time the Blues were in the final before last year when Mr. War took took over that show. Yeah, I, I didn't know that for a fact. It, when I found out, I wasn't surprised, uh, uh, you know, not trying to sound... I want to sound proper, but my father was involved in a lot of championships at that time of his career. He was one of the better officials, and, and so we did a lot of finals. So when I heard he was did that final, I wasn't shocked, but it was neat to see the game sheet with his name on it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Doug, a uh, couple quick ones for you before we go. Everyone talked in the summer about defending the cup and the, you know, the alleged hangover after winning. Uh, you guys have avoided that. How? Uh, well, I think that our, our A, we're a veteran team. We came back focused. I also think, in, in a strange way, the Tarasenko injury forced us to stay laser focused. When you when you use a when you lose a player that you count on for half a goal a game or 40 goals in a season, you understand that the task just got that much more difficult. So we didn't really have much time to. Uh, to not stay stay focused I think the guys have done a great job of and now now I think we're through the harder part of that uh, hangover now we're just into the season and they've got a really good flow about them I said to Craig uh, he and I drove to the airport the other day and just the way we practice in Winnipeg coming out of the break and the practice yesterday prior to coming here, when you can tell when a team has good emotion and good feeling about themselves. Our practices are so crisp right now. Uh, all the all the passes are on the tape. The tempo is very high, and uh, it flows over to our games right now. So we're in a mentally we're in a very strong spot right now, and you know there's going to be an, another ebb and flow into this season, but we want to carry this one as far as we can. And finally, Doug, what would you like to see in the last 40 games? And you just leave well enough alone with this hockey club at this point? Yeah, I think uh, what what we want to see right now is the the maturation of some of our younger players. As I said, uh, uh, we've we've seen uh, Kairou come up. Uh, like we got to get Sanford back in there. He's a young player. We got to get Blaze up and running. I think this could be a year where our depth is is we we won't have to trade for experienced depth players uh, at the deadline the way we sit now because I think we have that. Uh, if we can improve our team uh, with something eye-popping we might do that but uh, right now I'm just excited about what the guys are doing uh, they, they've earned the right as they did last year at the deadline to stay together I don't you know I don't see anything where we're going to be moving uh, heaven on earth to, to make a major trade that's not the way that's not what's needed right now uh, and hopefully by February that won't be needed then either all right always cool to hear from the general manager of the St. Louis Blues that was Doug Armstrong you can catch behind the bench this week Friday at 8 p.m. on 101 ESPN following this week in hockey, which will air at 6. So that's going to wrap it up for today's Daily Blues podcast. Remember what I always say, go see a ball game often, follow your local teams. It really is fun for the entire family. Dan Betlock signing off on 101ESPN.com.